Okay, so the message I have for you is, the title for tonight's message is, Live Life Full. Live Life Full. Live Life Full. You should live life to its fullest potential. This, I don't think there's anything worse than realizing that you left something on the table. I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and feel like I missed out on something that God had for me, that I could have done so much more. I've recently and often said to my wife in the past that I've given my very best. I said to her during December when we had some time to rest, I said to her looking back over the year, I gave my best. I, I might not have been the best and I might not have done it well, but at least I gave my very best for the year. That's the example I want to be to my children and to my family. I want to do my very best of living up to my full potential that God has put in me. I want my children to reach the capacity that God has for them. And, and to do that, we have to find out, does the Bible support that narrative? Because wanting that is not the same as being un, unhealthily ambitious. There is unhealthy, it means we should be ambitious to the extent that we want God to, to pull out of, out of us that for which he had created us. There are people that are so ambitious that they can push beyond what God has for them into a field that God had never given them and miss, in fact, what God has for them. So the title, in fact, therefore, is Live Life Full. And I'm here tonight to tell you that you should reach out and stretch out yourself to what, towards what God has for you. It would be a very, I, I don't want to be in the company of people who are small-minded. I don't want to be in the company of people who says this is the status quo, the level of our neighborhood, the level of our families don't reach higher. The moment you do, you'll have voices that tell you, do you think you're better than us? The moment you want more from life, you'll have family members tell you, who do you think you are wanting that? In fact, there were people in my history that said to us in our leadership team, stop dreaming so big. Stop dreaming so big. I liked it because there is a Bible character called Joseph. And when he approached his own family, his brothers walking in the field, they made this statement, here comes the dreamer. I want to encourage you all in this room and those in Nelspreet and, and other locations. I want to encourage you to be dreamers, to stop dreaming to the things that you were exposed to and think that's the limit. But I want to encourage you to begin to dream bigger than what you see, bigger than what you've experienced. I want you to begin to dream as the word of God begins to reveal to you what is possible from your life. We have to have a church full of people who dreams impossible dreams. Because if we dream anything that is not big, we are violating God's character. Because God is not a small God. God takes the brush of His creativity and He made the moon and the stars and the sun and the sky. He made the nature and the mountains and the rivers and the vast oceans to paint a picture of His bigness. He wants us to be a people created in His image. And when we dream small, we are not living up to the potential for which God had put in all of us. We have to begin to dream 
that there is more than meets the eye. We have to dream that there is more than people say we can achieve. We have to dream that there is more than what we've seen in our families. Is that okay? Can we investigate and see if that's possible? It says in Luke chapter number 3, verses 15 to 16, he says, Now as the people, uh, this is, this is uh, Uncle John, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ. And John the Baptist is declaring who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God that is to come into the world. And John the Baptist, and if you are confused, I'm not saying that you have to dream about driving a Lamborghini. That is far too a shallow a dream to pull God into that. You can have that all without Jesus. You can have a Lamborghini, you can have a big house in, 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 in Brits, wherever you want to have a house, you can have all of that without Jesus. Those are shallow, carnal, earthly dreams. Those things last but a season. I want to talk about real dreams. Dream about things that puts meaning to your name. Things that would have your name be mentioned in places where it's important, in the heavenlies where the hosts of heaven are seated. It says now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John. This is, this is John, the son of God had not yet come. And the reason I'm talking about this, is I heard another uh, preacher, what's his name? Um, James Franklin, he was preaching on the subject of expectation. And he used this verse, and this verse caught my attention. He, he, the point of this verse is they were, they were waiting for Jesus to come. Because for three, four hundred years, there was no word from heaven. God had said nothing for I think it was 400 years that there was complete radio silence between earth and heaven. No prophet spoke. And here comes Mary and is promised to have a child and she is a virgin. And that's an unrealistic thing to have in the first place. You can't fall pregnant without uh, a husband. <laughs> yes, young people, there's a way these things happen. And so, so, so these things are beginning to shift. And here you have John the Baptist. And, 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 and John the Baptist is the one that is doing, John the Baptist is a weird guy. John the Baptist is not a natural, uh, normal, normal type of, it's not the kind of guy you hang out in school with. He wears camel fur coats and he eats grasshoppers and he stays in the wilderness and he is not your average kind of friendly kind of guy. He, he talks to them. If you read the first part of chapter uh, three, you'll find out he's not a very, very gentle preacher. He's not the guy that's invited to speak at the local school. And now the people, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he is the Christ or not, John, John answered and said to them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now the point here is that they were in expectation before there was a revelation of what would come. You cannot have from God's hand if you live without expectation. You have to be a dreamer about what God can do Otherwise, there's nothing that's going to happen in your life. If you're expecting nothing, uh, there's the saying, blessed is the man who expects nothing because he will be satisfied. 
the expectation that John is. There's something about John. I can't put my hand on it, but I'm leaning in because there is an expectation that he is going to say something, do something, manifest something. I don't know what it is, but there's something about John that I have to pay attention to because if I do, something's going to come from it. Lo and behold, their expectation is met with a sentence, it's not me. At least we have one answer, it's not John. But John gives them a clue, points them to Jesus and says, Jesus is the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So their expectation is not met for the coming Messiah. We're seeing all of that. Their expectation is met in the revelation of the revelator, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that moves you from expectation into fulfillment. I'm saying that to say that none of you will ever possess what God has for your life without the Holy Spirit. When, Jesus, when, when David was anointed king, the Holy Spirit began to work on him and turned him. When Saul was anointed king, the Holy Spirit began to work on him. And all these stories you hear, and the Spirit of God worked on him, and the Spirit of God worked on him. When Samson was born, the Spirit of God got a hold of him. All of these stories has this one uh, mediator, uh, executor, the, 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 uh, the, the presence of God manifest in the Holy Spirit, manifesting in the life of the believer. No one got anywhere without the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now what I find strange is that we act towards this Holy Spirit as if he is maybe a Peter or a Stefan or a Louis or a Johnny or a Barney or a Benny or a Sandy or a Chanel or a, we act as if he's our friend. The Bible calls us friend God, a friend of man. Uh, he, he, is, he calls us friend. I understand that, but he is not your buddy. If you act around the Holy Spirit like He is common, you'll get nothing from Him. Because what you do in front of people that you consider common is not the same as what you'll do in front of someone you consider to be a king. And the Bible tells us that you can offend the Holy Spirit. And don't expect to have your potential in your life pulled out of you by someone that you keep offending. If you want to reach what God has for you, you have to expect that something is coming and you have to know it comes through the Holy Spirit. If you know it's the Holy Spirit, you you'll change the way you talk about the things of the Holy Spirit. You'll change the way you make comments about the Holy Spirit. You make comments, my children, because of their age, they, they see people when we pray in church and we speak in tongues. And if they say anything that I think is contrary to spirituality, I'll tell them, don't make a joke about that. That's not allowed. We don't make st statements about the Holy Spirit or anything. That, if people act like they're falling in the Spirit, I say, stop that because you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Don't make a joke in that realm. Make a joke about anything, but not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that has to pull out of me. So am I misusing him? I want him to be present, but I don't respect him. You need the Holy Spirit. Now, there was an expectation. None of you can, you can't have a dream if you don't know that the dream is accompanied by expectation. It's, the two are, I want to say, synonymous with one another. How do you have a dream and have no expectation? Then you must be expecting that dream to just be a fairy tale. 
Because if you have a dream and believe that it is possible, you have to expect that things will have to happen for that to come to pass. If you have expectation in your life, uh, you have to lean into that expectation. I don't understand how you can dream big, but give small steps. In fact, I don't, I don't even see people give small steps. I see people stationary. How do you expect God to do big, but you don't move? How do you think God is going to take you to the impossible that is impossible in your eyes right now if you do exactly what you're doing next week? So Monday morning is coming and you, the biggest fight we fight is to not be me Monday. The biggest fight towards realizing God's call in my life is for me to not be me on Monday. I have to be a step further away from what I am right now. I heard this video, watch this. This guy, this guy says he was coaching this girl to do the 100 meters uh, sprint and she, he was coaching and spent a lot of time with her and she, was, she signed up and she stood at the line and she began running. And the next week she came back and he asked her, okay, so how did you do? She, he said, she said, it's not working. I have to quit. Uh, he says, why? She says to him, I got eighth place. I was dead last. And he says, no, I don't understand. What was your time? And he said, 18 seconds, she said. And he said to her, well, that's amazing. She says, what do you mean? I was lost. He says, no, when we practiced, your best time was 20 seconds. And you beat yourself by two seconds. You have just put up for yourself a personal best, an all-time personal best. You have never ever ran 18 seconds before, and you just did. You just beat your old self, and you were better now than you were last week. That's a good motivation. The problem is we keeping our eyes on other people while we keeping stuck and we don't know the competition is not other people but ourselves. Does that make any sense? This is not a motivational sermon. I'm giving you scriptures. Hang on. Can I decide how to preach? Now in Luke chapter number 24 verses 49 it says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but... Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is in Luke 24. The same scripture is echoed in Acts chapter number 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know of any of you who likes waiting in the line for anything if you're not going to get something. Who has ever waited not expecting? But have you ever gone to the hospital, a, a doctor's office, and there's a queue? Because somehow doctors can't keep a schedule. You've never had a doctor, you walk in, it's nine o'clock, it's your turn. Never. I've never had that. If you're ever studying medical and you're becoming a GP, that's what you should aim for. To be a doctor, that's on time. Just do that. But we shouldn't say anything bad about you because we need you and please don't go anywhere. <laughs> but if you sit in that queue, you have an expectation that somehow you'll progress through the queue and the doctor will see you and have... No one just sits there knowing that the doctor is already... How many of you, if the doctor's left, would stay there? 
So if you are expectant, you have to understand that there has to be in your waiting, because a lot of people are waiting for God. In your waiting, there's an expectation that God's going to meet you. You have to be able to wait on the Lord for God to meet your need. Some people just don't have the patience to wait. Yesterday, Friday, we had the seven-day fast that was finishing. And this building looked about like this. It was just so many people here. And we said, okay, we're going to pray for everybody. And we didn't take anointing oil. We're going to pray for everybody. All the pastors are going to start praying. And it took a lot longer than I expected. It was a lot of people. I wonder how many people left. I wonder who left because they got tired of waiting. Them leaving tells me something about their expectation. What they were expecting wasn't big enough to cost them the time that it cost them waiting. They left before we prayed for them because the waiting took too long. They got tired waiting because what they were expecting was so small. Now as an example, because I said to you, I want to be an example. The church that I come from, I waited there for 15 years before we were allowed to plant this church. And not one point in that 15 years that I think God wasn't going to do it. Because the expectation was so big, the waiting wasn't a problem. I wonder how many people marry the first person they date because they're not expecting much for their future. The partner you choose is connected to what you're expecting. If you're expecting to have an average marriage, marry the first thing that moves. But if you expect more, you'll be more choosy about who you choose. There's something about your expectation that challenges your posture in the waiting. When I want somebody to say something that can change my life, I lean in, I pay attention. I don't want to miss a word. Have you ever failed maths? I did maths, I had to do statistics. And uh, this university, when I, I failed it. I got like 8%. But it's got linear programming and stuff in it. So you, with, with, with statistics, if you fail it, you don't just, you don't get, you don't, you fail it or you do well. It's right or it's wrong, for me at least. Now, the second time I had to do it, I had to pay again for the entire statistics thing. I had to pay and I paid for it myself. So I had to pay for that. So I went back to the class. This time I sat like this in the class with my recorder on. I was, my eyes were open. I was trying to make sure I don't miss a word because the cost of not hearing him is going to cost me to do it again. I don't have the time, so I don't want to miss a word. I paid attention. Now you're telling me that you expect God to turn your life upside down. I have since I got saved. But with the exception when I go overseas, have had two Sunday services ever since. I've always been in the church two services every Sunday for the last 24 years. We have people saved for six months. They come for one service. But you're expecting God and you're using stories like David and Joseph to tell stories about your life. I'm a Joseph. John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life 
here's your scripture for those who say we are only preaching, uh, uh, what do you call it, prosperity and motivational messages. This is a motivational scripture. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is he talking about, because if he talks about eternal life, he would have said, I have come that they may have life, because that's the eternal part, have life eternal and have that to the full. I have come that you may have life and live to the full. Watch there. I have come that they may have life and have it to the what? Full. I want to live a full life. I want to live a life that there is no space when I'm done that God says you missed a year there. You missed a beat over there. You played too much Fortnite over there and you missed what I wanted to do in your life. Now you can't do that if you don't pay attention to God's word. Because know what? God will speak and you will miss it. There was the 5,000. Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and he spoke in parables and none of them understood him. Who understood him? The disciples who was close enough to hear him when he whispered. When he spoke to them in the, in, in the quiet after the main event, that's where the disciples were. But for them to be there, they had to leave their business. For the, I'm not telling you to leave your business. But for them to be there, they had to leave everything to follow Jesus. For them to hear what Jesus had to say. Now, I'll, I'll get to this verse. But he says in John 6, uh, this is where, where it is. Start at verse um, 55, John 6, 55. The actual verse is in 67, but I don't know if it will start there. Let's see, John 6, verse 55 and onwards. Let's read that together. Now, Jesus, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus, as the living, uh, just as the living Father had sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And after this, uh, the disciples were grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Now just pause there. I want to have a full life but at the same time, what Jesus says offends me. Mm. I want to have everything God has for me, but much of what he wants is offensive. I'm now at a conflict on my inside. I, I want God to smile on me. I want God to say, I'm pleased with you. I want God to say, I want to put a blessing on you. But sometimes God says something that mm, doesn't sit well with me. Jesus recognized this and he says, does this offend you? Does God sometimes offend you? Then what, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of Spirit and life. So watch this. It's easy to say, I'm in church on Sunday. I want what God has for me. There is, so, so it's, a, it's a question of faith. It's a question of faith. Do I believe that God has something for me that is spectacular? That is more than what meets the eye. Because if he does, there is nothing that will stop me from trying to reach it.
But if, if my faith is low, what can buy my attention away from Jesus? What has the buying power to compete with God in your life? For some, it's friends. For others, it's a sport. For some of us, it's a career. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's an opinion. What can buy God's dream from you? Joseph's dream wasn't even stolen by his brothers when they tried to kill him. What will rob you of your dream? He says, the spirit gives life, the flesh comes. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. It's a question of faith. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Sometimes Jesus expects your expectation will have a word, a word that you can't handle. And you'll have to make a choice. Do I want to have comfort in my feelings? Or will I endure being offended to achieve what God wants for my life? Some, from that time, some of his disciples left him. Watch. You do not want to leave too, Jesus asks the 12. He turns around, he says to the, his 12, he doesn't say this to the 5,000, y'all leave ma. He looks at the 12, he says, do you also want to leave? I'm good if you leave. Here's what the 12 says to him. Lord, where shall, to whom shall we go? Where should we go? I mean, where should we go? What do you mean leave Jesus? Where should we go? That doesn't make sense. You have the words of life. That's faith. That's faith. To recognize if you want to live life full, Jesus is the only one that has the words to get you there. You can't have life full without Jesus speaking it. You can't have life full without Jesus leading you. For you to have life full, you have to have the words of God. You can't have the words of God if you don't expect him to speak. And he's not going to meet your, he's going to meet you at the level of your expectation. If you expect nothing, God will say nothing. But if you expect more, you will lean in. Your posture is determined by your expectation. If you're sitting like this, try and prove me wrong, huh? Guess what? You'll leave this church tonight, right? You'll leave your, and you'll win. You'll have it your way. I'm too scared to have it my way and miss what God has for me. I've already determined that I want to live life full. I want to have everything that God has for me. I want to have everything that God has for me. He says in Matthew 16, verse 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you desire to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen, he says, I came to give life and life in abundance. I came that you may have life in the in NIV says life in the to live life in the full. In the NKJV says, I've come to give life and life in abundance. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This full life is not found on your terms. This full life, if you want to have a full life, you surrender everything to Jesus. You know how we want to surrender to Jesus? You want to give him control, but have the control stick in your hand. You say, Jesus, you have it all, but you take the PlayStation remote and think you can manage to control it. 
You have to surrender control of your life to Jesus. Whatever you want. Who do you want me to marry Jesus? Where do you want me to stay? Where do you want me to work? Now, don't be confused. I'm not telling you to leave your job. If your boss is an atheist, don't quit to find a job where your boss is a Christian. Because if he's already a Christian, what's the point? I'm not saying quit your job because you don't uh, just leave your job. If you leave your job for a better opportunity and God's good with that and you prayed about it, I'm happy with that. Don't, don't be loyal to a company, be loyal to God. Now people quit their jobs because this is not where God wants me, but then you sit at home and you can't pay for food. That's also not where God wants you. Does that make sense? God came that you may have life and life in a full, but you cannot have that if you do not die to self. Philippians 4.13, if this is not possible, why would we have to quote Philippians 4.13? You have to memorize this verse. This is one of the first verses you should know. You'll read it if you're on the Bible program. You have to underline it when you get to it. I can do all things. Now somebody who's lazy doesn't have to say that. Because they don't do all things. They don't do some things. They only do one thing is eat. Eat, sleep, and fortnight. I can fortnight well. But for those who want to live life full, repeat this with me. Let's read that together. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is given to people who says, I want to live life full. In other words, I can do all things. Whatever comes my way, I can do all things. I can do all things. Whatever it takes, I can do all things. If God calls you for more, I can do it. If God puts more weight on me, I can do it. If God expects more of me, I can do it. Not this, okay, let me quit this and I'll quit this and I'll leave you groups because I'm dating and I'm studying. Because this season of my life, I'm just going to focus on my studies. So I can do studies this term because Jesus strengthens me. Then the next term I'm doing marriage. The next term I can do children. How about you can do all things? Because Christ Jesus strengthens you. That verse is for people who says, I want more. I'm expecting more. I'm expecting to be a success in life. I'm expecting to be a good husband, a good father, a good mentor, a good youth group leader, a good pastor, whatever God makes me, a good businessman, a good company owner, a good employee, whatever it takes, I am going to be good at it. Ephesians 3.20 says, verse 21, Now to him who is able to do, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. He's, he can do exceedingly and abundantly. You can't, if you have expectation that God's going to do something, trust me, he can do more than you think is possible. If you look at my photos, that's why we never show you those photos. When I was in Shalom Worship Center as a young youth leader, yo, Mensa, it looked like I was abducted by aliens and they did some experiments on me. I look different. I feel different. I talk different. I act different. I believe different. The man I am now is the same guy as that was there, but something changed in me. God transformed my life. He can do abundantly and exceedingly beyond what you can dream. 
God can take a, if God can do something with your life. Now I'm saying the confusion comes in when you think, okay, God's going to do, he's going to make me the senior pastor of United Money. You can't, the job's taken. But he can do with you whatever he pleases from where you are. And if you're like that girl that ran 18 seconds and next week you run 17 seconds, you are better than you used to be. Don't compare it to me, compare it to where you're at now. If you're struggling with sin and next week you beat it, you beat it. You're better than you were. And there are things that took one year or two years or six years with me, but God is dealing with all of those things. First Corinthians says, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Worship team. It says, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, or what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And I know this is also mentioned and speaks about eternal life here after the things that come. But you have to understand that God created the heavens and the stars and the moon and the sky. He can do things that you can't even imagine. God can do things that are not normal. God can do things with your life that you did not expect could happen in your family. God can use you and he can do extraordinary things with you. If you were to lean in to believe God. I wrote down five things and I don't want to put too much scripture on those five things. But your miracle and your changed life is on the other side of your obedience. Abraham is called the father of faith. But to become the father of faith, God said, come from your father's house and I will make you a great nation. God promised him a great nation. That's an adventure. But what did he have to do? He had to be obedient. I, I, God, I don't want to leave. This is my family. God says, I don't care. I'm not telling you to leave your families. You're not Abraham. But Abraham had to be in obedience. And in obedience, he stepped away from his family and his life he knew. It's false religions and stuff. He walked away. And in obedience, he walked in to the promised land that God had set apart for him. God can only get you to where you need to be if you're obedient. You, he says, uh, sacrifice. Do I want sacrifice? Obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants you to respond to his word. When his word says forgive, don't negotiate with Jesus. Don't say, but they're wrong. I'm right. God doesn't want that. He doesn't need you to tell him who's right and who's wrong. He just, I'm sorry, Jesus. If he tells you to fix a thing, fix it. If he tells you to sow a seed, you sow it. If he tells you to go somewhere, go. Even if you get there and you were wrong, maybe it was a test. One night, God told me, give the person in the car next to you 500 bucks. I knocked on the window and I said to him, God says I should give you 500 bucks. I said, ah, I don't want your money. Thank you. I felt like an idiot. Maybe the point was not to have them get the money, but to see if I would. Maybe it was nothing, but God saw that my heart was right and I wanted to move. I would rather have made a mistake and responded than not respond and not make a mistake. Or make a mistake by not responding. It's on the other side of your comfort. You can't expect God to have you comfortable and be... be Joseph wanted to be... God wanted to make him the prince of Egypt. He can't do that on the couch of his father's house, playing PlayStation. He was sold by his brothers. It wasn't comfortable sitting in a pit. It wasn't comfortable in Potiphar's house. It wasn't comfortable in prison. 
but God wanted to do something about his life. If you sign up for Jesus, you're saying to God, I don't care if there's a storm. All the disciples went through multiple storms because of Jesus. The story where Jesus walks in the water was a storm. The story where Jesus sleeps in the boat was a storm. But God called him. If you want to be comfortable, don't be a Christian. Be an atheist. That's the best. You don't have nothing. You don't expect nothing. You're going nowhere. All you're doing is waiting for nothing. But if you're a Christian, you can't do that. There's more. And if there's more, you'll face some fights. Your miracle is on the other side of your comfort. When you say, okay, they're going to judge me and they're going to say things about me and I might suffer persecution, I might lose some friends. I'm good with that. Take all my friends. Jesus, whatever you want. Whatever you want. And know that God is a good, good father. He's not taking anything from you that wasn't good for you. He wouldn't take anything from you that is good for you. He'll take only things away from you that he knows will destroy you. And whatever God takes, he gives back. God doesn't take anything from you that he doesn't put back in your life over and over and over again. Nothing you give him is ever lost. Third one, it's on the other side of your fear. I'm thinking about um, Gideon. Gideon was hiding in a cave. If he stayed in the cave, he would have never been in the book of Judges. He would have never been considered one of the judges of Israel. But because he had to overcome his fear, he had to step out of that cave. He destroyed the Baal prophet's totem poles, I, I think. And because he did that, God counted. But he was hiding. His original starting point was fear. If you're fearful, you're never going to reach what God has for you. You have to fight your fear. It is on the other side of your fear. Fourth one. It's on the other side of your opinion. Whatever God wants to do in your life, it's on the other side of your opinion. God did not get you to be born. Wait till you turned 18 and negotiated with you the plan of your life. He's not asking for your opinion. He gives you your opinion. Your opinion is molded by the scripture. Anything God wants to do is on the other side of you. I'll give you an example. Naaman. In 1 Kings or 2 Kings. Where is he? 2 Kings, chapter number 5. Naaman is a leper. He comes to uh, Elisha with Khaasi. He says to Elisha, I'm sick. Elisha says to Khaasi, go tell him to dip in the Jordan. Elisha comes, uh, Khaasi comes out, he says, Um Naaman, you have to go to the Jordan, dip seven times, you'll be fine. Naaman looks at him and says, No. Isn't the Parapa, Parafa, or something like that, Parapa River in, uh, I think, Syria, wherever they were, uh, far better than the Jordan? So you're telling me I'll get clean when I dip myself in a dirty river? That's, that's what he said. My opinion is, it doesn't make sense. So I have to, a king, first of all, I thought he's going to come out and wave his hand over the leprosy and he'll go away. That's what I expected. This is how God has to, Elijah doesn't even come out of the house. He says, expect what you ever would expect. He says, so you want me to, so you think I shall become cleaner when I dip in a dirty river called the Jordan. Can't I go to the clean river? That's your opinion. No, no, you can't. Yeah, but I feel like it's better. I don't care. It's not better. Go there then dip and see if it helps. If he followed his opinion, you know what would happen? He would have been a leper. 
So eventually his, his comrades arrange with him and fights with him and argues with him and he goes, okay, now he dips in the Jordan seven times. He hates it. Comes up on the other side. Whole. God is not asking you your opinion. He doesn't care what you think is right or wrong. And sometimes what you think should be right or wrong, God's going to change that. So, so what if you find a problem with my offering sermon, but your answer was in the sermon? But because you disagree and you have an opinion about money, you can't hear a word about the sermon. If you want God to do fullness in your life, you have to get over yourself. Your biggest problem Monday is you. It's you. <clears throat> and it's on the other side of humility. Humble people are not so arrogant to say much. You don't hear a humble person walk into the room and say, I have the answer. A humble person is careful to make sure they really do have the answer. A humble person will be careful not to offend the Holy Spirit. A humble person, <clears throat> if you're arrogant, you'll never reach full potential. Humility. Humble people are teachable. Arrogant people want to teach. You're doing it wrong. That church should do it this way. That pastor is wrong. Guess what? All you are is a critic. You're a critic. Critics never the artist. All you do is criticize the art. God wants to do some big things. We have to grow some expectation.